Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hour three of the show, LSU basketball. Front and center tonight is they defeated Florida 79-78. to LSU baseball wins 9-2. to Pelicans lose tonight. A little NFL free agency talk. We'll also talk a little Alvin Gentry becoming a local folk hero here, which is very interesting considering that most of the Pelicans fan base just a couple of months ago wanted the dude fired. Now there's talk of him getting another year. And frankly, I think that might be the right decision even as you go through a rebuild here, although I think that should be left up to the GM. We'll talk a little Alvin Gentry later. Sports Libs and our moment is in, courtesy of Tremont Waters later in the show. But first, Chris Daubertine of blogandthebracket.com at SB Nation joins the show for a little bracketology. Chris, welcome back to the program. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, look, we're, we're good down here after tonight. So how does this change your projection? And it does it for LSU, a quad one uh, road victory. Quad, they're up right now. They're nine and two in quad one games, which is you know pretty darn good. Tennessee's only seven and three. You know Kentucky's ten and four, a little bit better. The one thing that's kind of hurting LSU is those three quad one loss or quad two losses: Florida, Arkansas, and, and Oklahoma State at the uh, event down in Orlando back over Thanksgiving weekend. Those are three losses that are going to hurt a little bit. But you kind of look at the picture and kind of how things are laid out right now. You have two Big Ten teams right ahead of them on the two-line in Michigan State and Michigan. Obviously, both those teams aren't going to be there long-term, especially with them playing on Saturday night. So LSU, you know, by the time Monday rolls around, could end up probably being a, could end up being a two-seed. I am curious with this, uh, the new system, and, and I don't know how the selection committee is going to evaluate this with the new net and replacing the RPI and how they're going to look at things, but you just kind of touched on something I've, I've been curious about, is the are the quad two losses more important than quad one wins? The committee really, really likes quad one wins, and I think that that's one thing to kind of keep in mind. But when you're looking at teams kind of on that one, two, three, that front edge of the three line, those top ten teams, that's where things, the differences get to be really, really close and that's when those quad two losses might end up costing a team like LSU, you know, especially when you, com- when you compare them to what Tennessee and Kentucky have kind of on the top. I mean, Tennessee nationally having beaten Gonzaga, the number one ranked team, you know, in the net. Kentucky, they have two top five wins. LSU now has two top five wins having beaten Tennessee and Kentucky. But Tennessee has a slightly better one having number one and number five as opposed to number four and number five. And you kind of look at Kentucky, and it's like, well, their best win is number four and number seven. But then you look, and they don't have those those losses that you know that LSU kind of has right now. So that's that's one thing that's going to be a little bit close. But as I said, it's one of those things that feels like it's going to take care of itself. You know, LSU is going to be in position here to potentially win the SEC outright this weekend. You know, have a shot at winning the SEC tournament, which is going to be a nice little boost. But and especially having those teams just ahead of you in Michigan and Michigan State potentially knocking each other off, I think LSU is going to end up okay, you know, kind of in the end. 
Yeah, this all goes back to the humans really like LSU uh, for the most part. The polls like them. Uh, most of the bracketologists yeah. like them. Uh, you had them as a three seed. I think Jerry Palm even had them as a two seed. It's kind of like the old football debate we used to have, I guess, before the current playoff system. Although, uh, well, I guess when we used to have the computer system in the BCS, the computers, uh, the, the formulas don't really like LSU. They're in the either the low teens or high 20s in Sagarin, in Ken Palm, and in Net. Could you help explain to the audience why that is and why the disparity there between, again, the, the humans and the machines? Well, I think that one of the issues, again, is is those three losses that are a little bit kind of out of character are kind of driving things down a little bit for LSU. Because you look at the schedule, the strength of schedule is great. You know, they have 11th-ranked 11th strength of schedule in net overall, you know, in non-conference and then 15th overall. That's really, really good. But those three, lo- but those three bad losses. You kind of look at the average net win and loss. You compare LSU, 93 net win, 44 net loss. Tennessee, you flip over, 107 net win, a little bit less. You know, but a 12 net loss, which is really just you know, you know, Kentucky, LSU, Kansas. You know, that's a little bit different than you know losing to Florida, Arkansas, and Oklahoma State. And Kentucky, it's the same thing. 103 net win. The wins aren't quite as good but they don't have quite as many bad losses. And that, I think, really is what ends up knocking down LSU's net a little bit. It's Chris Daubertine of SB Nation, blogandthebracket.com, bracketologist there, at Chris Daubertine on uh, Twitter. Where do the other teams here in the SEC fall in your latest projection? And mainly we're talking about the teams at the top, Kentucky and Tennessee. Well, I actually have Kentucky ahead of Tennessee, and that's because, again, they have a few more quality wins than the Volunteers do even though they split, you know, you know, a, a series with two home blowouts and people are saying, well, Tennessee should be ahead of them. Well, you know, you can't look at just the head-to-head. You have to look at the entire body of work. And, and Kentucky had a little bit more on their schedule, especially early in the season. So, so that's kind of where it is. But not all three of those teams are going to be able to be that high at the end because, like I said, there's going to be other competition coming along and somebody's going to have to end up winning the regular season and the SEC tournament. So LSU still has it all to play for. That's interesting. So Kentucky, a one seed uh, here. It brings me to any any locks here for the one seeds. Uh, Virginia, Gonzaga, uh, Duke, I think uh, most people have as one seeds. Most people now also with Kentucky. Are any of those teams locks right now, regardless of what happens in conference tournament play? I think Virginia is absolutely a lock at this point just because there, there's not enough games for them to pick up a bad loss and to fall out of that group, especially at the number one spot where they are right now. Gonzaga, it's a similar thing. I think they could be in trouble if they end up losing the WCC tournament final. They could slip down to a two at that point, but I think they're still pretty solid. But, yeah, Duke, North Carolina is going to be very interesting because Duke right now is not playing all that well. You think about you know how they played against Wake Forest last night, barely escaping you know, without Zion Williamson. You know, Mike Krzyzewski said after the game that he's not going to be back against North Carolina on Saturday, but he might be back for the ACC tournament. And you think about how the ACC tournament might set up, you might have a third North Carolina Duke game in the semifinal next Friday. So, you know, you're thinking about this Saturday and next Friday potentially, and I think that only one of those two teams is going to end up getting there because of that. I think, honestly, if North Carolina beats Duke again, but that's without Zion, and Zion comes back and Duke wins, I think there is the open possibility that you could have three ACC teams on that top line, but that's only if Gonzaga loses the WCC and something crazy happens in the SEC and all of Kentucky, Tennessee, and LSU kind of fall out. 
Well, it's interesting you bring up North Carolina here. Uh, I've been looking at them the last couple of weeks thinking that they might be the scariest team for me in the entire country, at least when it gets to the tournament. Uh, you have two guys, two seniors leading that team, along with uh, obviously some very good freshmen. It's Roy Williams. They've been to the Final Four a couple of times in the last handful of years. Uh, do they scare you as much as me? They'd be up there among the, that favorite group for me. Absolutely. I mean, they're the top-ranked number two seed in my bracket right now. You know, they're right knocking on the door. You know, they, they've only lost to Virginia in their in their past, you know, 12 games, basically. They've just been kind of running through teams. You know, you think about how they beat Syracuse at home, on, uh, you know, a, a little more than two weeks ago. You know, they took care of Boston College pretty easily. You know, they, they escaped at Clemson in a game that Clemson absolutely positively had ahead, especially now, you know, you know, they beat Notre Dame tonight. But that was a game that really could have gotten them into the tournament for sure. And North Carolina has really been able to just kind of take care of all, you know, all types of competition. Duke and Florida State as well, they took care of pretty handily. That's a team I think that's really kind of serious. And you look at, you know, whatever bracket they're in as the two seed, that that one seed is going to be a potential team that might not make it out of that Elite Eight. Talking about the top of the bracket and the projections, let's go to the bubble. Who are some teams right now you have your eyes on on the bubble because these last two weeks, it's all about the bubble going into Selection Sunday. Wow, today was not a good night from the, from the bubble perspective. As I said on Twitter a few minutes ago, you know, I've been marking off a lot of teams in my spreadsheet in red because they lost <laughs> the green. Georgetown, I mean, they laid a complete egg at DePaul tonight down the street from me. And, you know, DePaul took care of St. John's, but St. John's had a little bit more cushion. They had a little bit more in terms of quality wins than what Georgetown had. So Georgetown's pretty much out of the picture now. Creighton picked up an overtime win over, over Providence, which got them in good position. Clemson won at Notre Dame, which they had to absolutely do. But on the flip side of the ACC, North Carolina State, who's one of those teams that, you know, is kind of like has a really high net but doesn't really have much on their profile, they lost to Georgia Tech at home, and Georgia Tech is shorthanded right now. So I think North Carolina State is in real trouble. And, of course, Florida having lost to LSU, you know, I think that's going to knock them down kind of to that 10-11 range from, from the nine range they've kind of been in. But that was an absolute missed opportunity for the Gators tonight. Chris, we've talked about the, the mid-majors, small majors before and how uh, a couple of them are getting big-time love. If you consider Houston, and I don't think Gonzaga's really a mid-major anymore, and I guess by school size and conference they are, but the rest of the country, the rest of the mid-majors, uh, not so much. I don't think there's a mid-major conference out there with multiple bids unless you consider the Mountain West, I guess, a mid-major conference. Outside of that, doesn't look good still, right? Uh, I think we could have some things happen. It's going to have to come in, in the in the guise of a bid thief, I think. You think about Wofford. Wofford's in the top 15 in the net. They're not going to get left out at this point. If they end up getting knocked out of the Southern Conference Tournament, there's you know two, three potential teams there that are in the not, the net top 100. Furman, who beat Villanova earlier, UNC Greensboro and East Tennessee State are all you know really solid top 75-type teams. And if one of them gets in, they're going to be – kind of in that 12 seed range and Wofford will be in the seven, eight range Buffalo, same situation. If they stumble in the Mac tournament, that's going to be it. Lipscomb has an outside shot and Belmont has an outside shot, I think, but really, you know, that's pretty much going to be it. And, and uh, VCU is another one in the, uh, in kind of those questionable, you know, are they really even major league as a seven, eight kind of seed in the A 10, they're going to probably be an automatically no matter what, but if they happen to fall in the A 10 tournament, you know, somebody else like Dittner Davidson could end up, you know, taking that automatic bid instead. 
is there one team out there that, and I'm talking about mid to small major, that you have your eye on that say, hey, I really like this team. They could make a run. Is, is it John Morantz over there at, at Murray State? Uh, I don't know. Is it Utah State? Who is it? I, I, I kind of in the guise of Murray State, I would kind of look at Belmont, too, because they have Dylan Windler, who's another very good potential pro-type player. And this is a team that every year you see, you know, when they get in, they're going to get in as a 12 seed or an 11 seed usually. And like, this is the year Belmont is going to get through. No, this is the year I think we've, we've cried wolf enough over this year after year, <laughs> but I think this seriously is the year where they're going to be in as an 11 or a 12. And that's going to be the most popular upset pick there. There probably has been in many, many seasons. Well, there you go. It's Chris Daubertine, uh, blogonthebracket.com, one of my daily stops and should be yours as well. SB Nation, he's on Twitter, at Chris Daubertine. Chris, always appreciate the conversation. I'm sure we'll have it again before the madness begins. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Another win today for LSU, 79-78 to 78 on the road. Quad one win certainly will help them out in the selection committee's eyes. How much will it help them out? We'll wait and see. Your call's coming back next, 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. Also, Alvin Gentry, folk hero? What? Yeah, that's what Andrew Doak says, and you know what? I agree with him. We'll talk about that coming up here on The Last Lap. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.